You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And now, the moment you've all been waiting for. You're tuned in to Tapped Out. Hosted by Brendan Tobin and Sean Levine, only on the BetQL Network. Hi, welcome back. Good Saturday afternoon to you with Brendan Tobin. I am Sean Levine, and now we welcome on good friend of the show from the Action Network. He is Sean Zarillo. You can follow him at Sean Zarillo. Uh, before BT asks you about Tom Aspinall and Curtis Blades, I got to ask you about something actually good that happened on this card. Patty Pimblett's star keeps arising. Did you bet him today? And what do you think his near future holds as far as matchups go? Yeah, I tried to bet Patty by decision. Obviously, that didn't pan out, but I was getting four and a half to one. You know, the way he fights, he tends to end up finishing just because he's so aggressive and relentless. But I did think there was value on the decision number just because I thought that there was a chance Levitt could survive from any submission attempts that Patty threw out there. Ultimately, he didn't, and Patty found the choke. But I think the way they need to keep matching up Patty moving forward is similar type of physical matchups where he has the clear physicality advantage. There's other guys out there who are even ranked above him. Now, leave it was like the 52nd ranked lightweight or, you know, not really anywhere near the rankings, but there's guys in the thirties, the twenties who he potentially matches up with. Well, even guys who are on winning streaks, like Claudio playlist, who's not going to try to defend takedowns, not going to box him up on the feet. So, if they carefully match up Patty against certain guys who either can't stop takedowns, don't counter wrestle and box him, or who are just looking to submit him on the mat, he can continue to have exciting and competitive fights. But I think there's clear flaws in his game. I didn't look at the scorecards after the fight to see if he had won round one ultimately, but that was a toss-up at worst. I thought Levitt actually did the better work, landed some clean strikes. So Patty moving forward, they got to handle him with care, but I think it's definitely exciting that he's he's grown such a huge following considering... He doesn't really appear to have the skills of a future champion. One guy that uh, does appear like he has the skills of a future champion, but it was uh, an unfortunate end today was the Tom Aspinall Curtis blades fight. It looks like he's some kind of a knee injury and maybe out for a while. Uh, just your reaction. We've had a couple of uh, weeks in a row here of the main event uh, ending via injury. Uh, it's very kind of unfulfilling. Uh, what is the, the thing you're most disappointed about other than just Tom's health and career uh, overall, but just the, the question that wasn't answered because we really didn't get a fight tonight. Yeah, we still don't know everything about Tom Aspinall as a fighter. He's largely finished his fights quickly. When he was younger in his career on the regional scene, when he got extended, he got into a bit of trouble, ended up getting submitted. I believe in another fight he lost via a legal strike of his own, but he was tiring out there as well. So when he gets extended, he's shown some cardio concerns in the past. I wanted to see if Blades wrestled him, if he dragged him to deeper waters, if he's improved his gas tank at all. Because if Tom Aspinall can sustain, or before this injury, if he would have been able to sustain the pace that he's put on in these first rounds, 
he is going to be a future champion because nobody could really keep up with that athleticism, that speed at heavyweight. Curious to see now how long he's going to be out. It seemed like a pretty significant injury. He was in a lot of pain leaving that octagon. But really, you have to look at what you do with the winner. Liar Rodriguez last week. What do you do with Curtis Blades now? I think the most logical thing, if Stipe and John Jones aren't going to fight for an interim title, you let Cyril gone. And maybe Curtis Blades fight for an interim title. I know we just saw Cyril fight for a title himself, had won the interim title previously, but doesn't really appear like anything's in the cards for Cyril gone right now. So maybe matching him up with Curtis Blades, that seems pretty ideal. You also have that Derek Lewis, Sergey Pavlovich fight next week. We could look to mix and match from as well. Pavlovich, obviously not a common opponent yet. While Blades was winning minutes against Derek Lewis before he got knocked out. So... Definitely interested to see how they rematch these heavyweights, but I think Curtis Blades has come to a point in his career based on how many fights he's won where he does deserve a big fight. Let's keep the title talk going. Sean Zarilla joining us here on the BetQL Network. Let's change weight classes. Charles Oliveira will put his quote-unquote title that he doesn't technically have right now on the line against Islam Makachev. Now, I'm sure you've seen the early line right now. Makachev something like a minus 200. Oliveira... At plus 165, first of all, are you surprised that Oliveira comes in as the underdog? And the second part of that question is, I mean, if you like Oliveira, you've got to run to go get your bet in right now. Because it feels like between now and when that fight happens, everybody's going to be putting money in on him, right? I would assume so, especially more of the public action. We may see some bigger, sharper bets come in on the Makachev side because the market has been so heavily tilted his way throughout his UFC run where Charles has been an underdog in several of his title fights. I know it flipped for the last fight versus Gaethje, but I believe he closed at plus money against both Chandler and Dustin Poirier. So Charles, I mean, definitely the better striker. He's probably going to get taken down, but is he going to be dangerous off of his back? Is he going to be able to scramble, flip positions, get back up if he wants to? There's a lot of questions for Makachev to answer. His top pressure is absolutely Phenomenal. I would probably look at the unders in that fight. I don't see that going the full 25 minutes just based on the pace that Charles fights at. He is an all-action fighter. His stamina is actually pretty improved in his recent fights, but the pace that he's going to fight at, he can tire Makachev out as well. So I think that's going to be a scrambly mess, an absolutely exhausting fight, not only for the guys in the octagon, but for everybody watching because there's going to be a lot of moments of danger there. So definitely going to be looking at the unders by the time that one comes around. I'm not so sure that the money line is that far off from where it should be, though. Sean, coming up next week, UFC 277. I uh, got a couple of rematches in the main and co-main event. Uh, which dog would you uh, do you trust more next week? Juliana Pena being able to redo what she did where she shocked the world or Kai Kara France getting the better of uh, Moreno this time around? I would probably go with Kara France. You now, obviously, a smaller underdog than Pena is. Let me talk about that nunez Pena fight for a second, though. The way I bet it the first time, you look to bet Nunez in the first round. You look to bet her inside the distance props. And then you try to fly on Pena live after round one. I was going to wait until round two. I thought Nunez would have a little bit more in her gas tank, obviously. She didn't quite get there before the line completely flipped against her. But basically, I'm going to buy the discount here probably on Amanda. That first fight was minus 600 to end inside the distance. This fight is going to be about minus 225. She was minus 330 or minus 350 even to end inside, to win inside the distance, Amanda Nunez, in the first fight. Now she's sitting closer to minus 120. So I may buy the dip 
on her finish props, on her round one prop, which was plus 150. You may get plus 250 or plus 300 now. I'd look for the Nunes finish props, and then I'd look to buy in on Pena live after that first round. Amanda might fight a little bit more conservatively in order to manage that gas tank, but she's always going to have gas issues, and I think Pena is going to win those later rounds. So Juliana live may get a better price. As for the Car France and Moreno fight, it's flyweight. So there isn't as much finishing upside as there is in the other divisions. The margins for winning rounds are much smaller. You even look at Moreno's fights with Davis and Figueredo. Figueredo won those on power optics while Moreno was landing more volume, but the margins in those rounds was so narrow. It really came down to Figueredo landing the biggest shot. If Brandon doesn't get wobbled, Brandon might win that fight. So flyweight where the finishing rate is lower, I'm always going to look to take the underdog in a fight that is closely contested that I expect to be close throughout. Don't tell me about gas issues. I had some bad crap right goon last night, bro. I told my girlfriend no, but she insisted. Sean Zarilla joining us here on the BetQL Network. Uh, one fight that we haven't talked about that re recently announced, Aljamain Sterling versus TJ Dillashaw. It feels dirty to put money down on TJ Dillashaw just knowing his past, but plus 130, I might actually have to do it. Yeah, that's going to be another close and competitive fight. I haven't actually looked into the size dynamics to see Aljo and how Aljo's reach matches up with TJ. I'm not sure what the discrepancy is there at all, but Aljo throws a ton of volume when he doesn't have to worry about the takedowns. He might have to worry about getting taken down here. So you actually could see a matchup where two wrestlers strike it out that could end up being a low output affair where, again, the margins are going to be relatively slim from round to round. I would expect that one to go the distance. I think both have enough skills to neutralize the other Unless somebody gets caught, I don't see either one of them getting submitted. So probably another fight to go to decision bet at a lower weight class. Don't know what the line is going to be on that yet, but that's where I'd be leaning for that first look. Sean, it's uh, it's rare to get you know really fat underdogs in uh, in mixed martial arts and UFC like we do in boxing. But Nate Diaz versus Hamzad is going to be that. Um, did anything in Hamzad's last fight against Gilbert Burns? you know, second round, a little bit of resistance. Does any of that make you feel like, eh, maybe I'd throw a little something on, on Nate, you know, pulling out something crazy and being able to dial it up? Or do you feel like this is, you know, lamb to the slaughter, he's going to get destroyed? In a fight to the death, I will take Nate Diaz. But this is going to be a three-round fight, I believe. So I have to take Hamzat. Even if it was a five-round fight, I'd still probably take Hamzat. You know, Nate's advantages in almost any fight he's in are cardio and heart. And maybe a little bit of crazy factor. Well, I think the crazy factor is pretty neutral in this matchup. May still have the cardio advantage, but everywhere else, the skills point to Hamzad. Hamzad didn't really want to engage with Gilbert on the ground. It was pretty evident. Once he got the takedown, got in Gilbert's guard, Gilbert regained guard. He got right back up. He didn't want to mess around down there. I don't know if we'll be as worried about the submission attempts coming back from Nate. I'm sure he's going to be hungry to get a finish over Nate because he seems to be a bit of a showman. And I'm sure he's going to want that highlight reel or hit that clip on his career highlight reel. So definitely expect Hamzat to be going for a finish for the entirety of the time he's in there. Maybe Nate snatches up a submission. Maybe Nate by submission, if you want to bet Nate, is the one way to play him because I could see him snatching up something. But that's probably the only way he wins this fight. This line should be easily minus 900, minus 1,000 for Hamzat. Hopefully Nate goes off into the sunset well. Hey, maybe even taps out the moment they ring the bell and just walks out of the octagon, both middle fingers raised. I mean, I, I wouldn't be all that surprised. Sean Zarillo joining us here on the BetQL Network. It does feel like uh, the UFC is not really doing Nate any favors by this one, throwing him to Hamzat. Although it's crazy to think that, like, 
if Nate was to go out there and somehow win this fight, Sean, then what the hell does the promotion do? They have to give him a title fight, though, though. No, I mean, it, it would be Colby or Usman at that point. Like, when you beat a guy so? who has that ranking, you take that ranking. So right. Nate Diaz versus Gilbert Burns, that's not going to go down well for him. They almost have to give him a title fight because at that point, he will have built up enough hype that they would just have to give it to him. I don't care about the previous losses. I don't care about the losing streak. Even when Connor comes back, Connor may end up getting a title shot too, even though it may be undeserved. So the UFC does whatever they want. They're beholden to absolutely nobody. So yeah, Nate Diaz pulls off this upset. The sky is the limit for him, but I would imagine he's probably still going to walk either way. It's funny that you guys both agree on that because it's like not even really what I was thinking about. But now that you say it, you do take everything he has. Hamza Drang put number three right now. What they, so it's, it's a great opportunity. Yeah, he's also getting screwed, but essentially you get a shot at a title on the way out. Like just absolutely crazy. You're breaking it down with Sean Cirillo here. Um, we didn't talk yet about uh, Sean O'Malley, right, versus – Piotr Jan, if you want to play an underdog, you can get the Sugar Show at plus 330. You got to pay for Piotr Jan. How surprised are you that the odds are this one sided on that fight? I'm hoping this line gets pushed under minus 300, and I'm going to absolutely hammer Peter Jan. This is a nightmare matchup for Sean O'Malley. Does not deal well with pressure, does not deal well with boxers who can get inside of his range. Jan is just going to force the issue after the first round. So maybe Jan gets off to a slow start and you could find a better live price on him after round one because he is typically a slow starter as he gets his reads. But once he gets inside, finds his timing, finds his range, I think he's going to absolutely destroy Sean O'Malley. can probably kick the leg at will. We'll trip him, put him on the mat. He's going to do whatever he wants to Sean O'Malley. If the public sentiment comes in and lowers this line on the Piotr Jan side, like I said, you give me minus 250 on Piotr Jan, I'm absolutely going to hammer that line. If you had to buy a stock in somebody, Sean, would you say the better stock right now is it to buy into Patty Pimblett or do you think it's Sean O'Malley? I think O'Malley has more upside as a fighter. I think O'Malley is more likely to be a ranked man and wait in the future. He's absolutely massive for the division. His strikes are very technical, very long punches. If he rounds out his game a little bit better, I don't see any reason why Sean O'Malley can't be a ranked man and wait. I have a tough time believing that Patty is going to be a ranked lightweight in the future. You see all these guys coming up who are so well-rounded. Even the guys in the lower end of the rankings, like Mateus Gamrot, are so incredibly well-rounded. It's almost like this new wave of MMA where these guys have all of the skills, have cardio on top of it. So the future for MMA is very bright. I just think O'Malley, given his size for the Bantamweight division, probably has more upside than Patty's skill set does at lightweight. Hey, Zerillo, we got like 45 seconds left, so take as much of it as you want. Um, what if, for whatever reason, Brock Lesnar was to step back into the octagon? What would be the biggest possible matchup on the other side? Francis Ngannou, John Jones, what would it be? Oh, Derek Lewis. Derek Lewis is a coin flip in any fight you put him in. So just put Derek Lewis in there with anybody who's capable of winning minutes, and Derek Lewis is capable of landing the knockout blow. I mean, Brock Lesnar, is he just going to stand there at range and, and get pieced up by Derek Lewis? No, he's going to force the issue and try to wrestle him. So, yeah, that would be a crazy fight. Derek Lewis against pretty much anybody, given Lewis's lack of ability to winning minutes, makes it a complete coin flip. Gotta love you, Black Beast. Gotta love you from Sean Zarillo. Follow him at Sean Zarillo. Thanks so much, brother. We'll talk again soon. Guys, enjoy the card next week. Thank you so much for having me.
Yeah, you got it, man. It's crazy that card next week because that must have been like the most difficult line for the odds makers to put out there when it comes to Juliana Pena versus Amanda Nunez. You know what I mean? That's why I said that I figured they'd just be lazy about it and make it a pick them because how do you really say that Amanda Nunez is a two and a half to one favorite considering that she didn't look good on the walk? She didn't look good in the octagon. She didn't look good once it got like a little bit testy in that fight. I don't really see the argument for Amanda Nunez. I just think it's the idea that, you know, she's the undisputed goat, man. Like, <laughs> like you get a little bit of a reprieve going into one. Okay. All right. Man. Uh, coming up next, we put a bow on this thing. You're tapped out on the Back Kill Network.